Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. My name is Adam Williams and we're back. I know we're a bit late reacting to the first Grand Prix of the 2021 season, the Bahrain Grand Prix, but I do have a reasonable excuse. I was doing a little job called a dissertation, but I'm here with a couple of my very good friends, Joe and Jimmy. How are you both doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be talking about Formula One for a change because my dissertation oh wait that was about formula one too but yeah i'm i'm enjoying it and you joe are you doing well yeah great um been waiting a while to finally talk about f1 again so obviously that'd be uh oh, that'd be brilliant and you're not a fan of testing are you joe <laughs> no not at all um i just i think far too many people try and draw far too many conclusions from testing um, and they all turn out to be wrong. Well, we'll talk about that to begin with. So coming out of testing, it looked as though Mercedes had fallen behind the new regulation changes, which were meant to be a little small tweak, get 10% of the downforce off with the floor. But it looks like Mercedes are behind and Red Bull are the favourites going into the race. Naturally, I was on the blower to Joe and Jimmy saying, oh, this could be exciting. But Joe was disregarding it, saying it's only testing. We'll see. We'll see when it comes to Q3. We'll see when it comes to the race. And what and what happened, Joe? Well, I mean, <laughs> clearly Red Bull was very strong, and I, I, at no point did I deny that Red Bull looked very, very strong in testing. But it was only testing, and Mercedes are still right there. Like they've still got an incredibly quick car. Even if it looks a bit more unstable and it's not going to be as dominant as it was last year, it's still a very, very fast car. But there, there can be no doubt that Red Bull have made significant gains. And that can only be a good thing for Formula One. Jimmy, do you think that Red Bull have their noses ahead in the title fight this season? Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, I think it's probably uh, it's quite similar was it to like Ferrari in 2019 or 2018. But I think Mercedes always seem to put it out of the bag. Uh, which I think they'll do this season as well. Now, I was thinking about comparisons with Mercedes versus Ferrari to Mercedes versus Red Bull this season. I think the thing that Mercedes always had over Ferrari was that they were a better team. Now, Red Bulls seem like they've got their heads screwed on and they've got a good lineup. Sergio Perez, the new recruit, 10 years of experience behind him. He's looking like he can be at least a, a great number two driver, I'm hoping that he can take it to Max a bit. Do you think, Joe, that this is the strongest kind of match for Mercedes that we've seen since the beginning of the hybrid era? I'd say probably, yeah. I mean, Ferrari's lineup in 2017 and 18 wasn't too shabby either with drivers, you know? Only the five world championships between them. Exactly, exactly. But it goes deeper than just the drivers, of course. Um and I think obviously that was very interesting. In in the first race, we straight away got to see a strategy battle between the two teams, and obviously that was where Ferrari were often messing up in when they were taking the fight to Mercedes. Um, obviously, it didn't quite work out for Red Bull this time. Whether that's down to strategy or not is debatable, but it was a very close strategy battle as as well as a driver battle as well. Definitely. Just to give you a little bit of a recap, the Bahrain Grand Prix was probably one of the most exciting races that I've seen in quite a while um, and there were fights throughout the field 
But the first battle we're going to look at is that fight for the lead that Joe mentioned there. And Max Verstappen was leading for a lot at the beginning of the race. But Lewis Hamilton did an undercut, had the fresher tyres. When Hamilton and Verstappen had done the pit stops, Hamilton's fresh rubber had got him ahead. And they did it again, uh, pitted Lewis Hamilton ahead of Verstappen. Verstappen was coming back and you thought, he's in the fastest car, he's got the fresher rubber. He's going to overtake Lewis Hamilton. But Hamilton held him off. Now, first of all, what a battle it was between those drivers. Two greats in a generation. And it's great to see, isn't it, Jimmy? It is, yeah. The one thing I would say is it was nice if it, they were both on like fresh tyres. So when Nico and Lewis were uh, had that safety car, I think back in 2015, was it? 2014. 2014. And that epic battle throughout the track that he just kept going going. It was more like inevitable that Verstappen was going to catch Hamilton and Verstappen was going to overtake. It was brilliant that Hamilton kept him behind, obviously. Um, yeah, it is a bit stupid I'm on the track limits. Are we going on to track limits yet or that's another section to come? That's a box that we can open now if you want, No, Jimmy. we can leave it packed up. I don't mind. <laughs> no, what do you reckon? Okay, so Verstappen overtook Hamilton around the outside, but he had to give the place back because all four wheels went outside the track. That's fair enough, because it's the equivalent of cutting a corner. But the controversy comes about because of the inconsistency of the rules throughout the weekend, and the fact that Hamilton went off the track at that exact place on his home probably about 30 times during the race. What do you reckon, Jimmy? Well, yeah, personally, I don't think there's much to be gained going that wide. I was listening to Martin Brundle on the commentary and he said it's a bit stupid because you have to go over a curb and you have to, it's like going over a speed bump, effectively, every lap, uh, which isn't the best for the cars. Uh, but I do agree that Verstappen should have was right to give that place back. It's always a bit of a grey area. But the thing is, with Hamilton going wide, the FIA, there's no way they can see if he gains an advantage. He may well have been uh, slower going around like that. Um but in terms of Verstappen, I think he did go off the track to gain an advantage and overtake Hamilton. If he didn't go off the track, Hamilton gave him plenty of room. It was just his decision to go off the track, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't think everybody agrees with that point of view. But yeah, what about you two? Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't think the problem is so much that Hamilton's gaining time because he, he is going to be gaining, gaining time. He's not going to be going out there lap after lap if he's not going to gain even a minuscule amount of time. The issue is the inconsistency. I have no problem with what Lewis did all race, and uh, I've been getting very frustrated all week on Twitter seeing uh, all these people posting this video of Hamilton going wide 29 times or whatever it is, um, because I just don't think that's relevant to the discussion. L Lewis was only doing that because it was legal, and it stopped being legal, he stopped doing it, and an overtake off the track has always been illegal. And it was always going to be illegal. The issue is that we've got a very inconsistent situation where drivers can run wide on some corners. They can't run wide on other corners. They they get punished for, you know, different things. It's seemingly random. Um, and I think the FIA really needs to clamp down. They, they need to be clear. They need to be clear about what's illegal, what's legal. Um, what drivers are going to get punished for and, you know, follow through with it. And the reality is the technology's there. It's, it's not like football referees decide 
on on the moment whether the ball's in or out of play. There's a line. The ball's either out or not. So mm -hmm. surely there can be pressure sensors or lasers or whatever technology you want to use to see when all four wheels are off the off the circuit. So if that technology is there, why do you think it's not being used? You know, Hamilton probably shouldn't have done it, but I don't see actually how he gained an advantage, to be honest. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's impossible to tell. It's easy, clear cut with Verstappen because he went off the track to overtake him. S simple as. Yeah, I, I don't think there's there's any doubt that Verstappen should have given the place back. And on that, I'm glad he gave it back rather than carry on and then fighting it out afterwards um, because you don't want to see a Grand Prix decided on a, a time penalty a bit like we saw with Vettel um, or, or Verstappen at, at the American Grand Prix in when was it 2018 something like that yeah yeah but once again that was clear cut he overtook Raikkonen off the track this time it was on the inside but it's the same idea I think the the issue is the inconsistency and from what i understand michael massey the the race director he had come down quite hard on the drivers in the 2020 bahrain grand prix about track limits at turn four which is where the incident took place but because so many drivers were taking liberty with it and pretty much ignoring the the, the rules that he put out he he kind of caved in and allowed them to do it in that corner and that continued into 2021 now if if we look at any other sport like i think moto gp in fact on the same weekend they introduced pressure sensors at the at the track so if you went outside your name was in the book do you, do you think that this controversy is all, almost here to make us talk about this sort of thing and, and, and draw attention? Or do you think it's just a question of a lot of stakeholders in Formula One wanting different things and it being the political sports series it is, um, we've not yet come to a, an easy decision quickly? Are you trying to get people to read your dissertation or something? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, um, I think, I think it's a very, com like, it's, it's more complex than it appears on the surface because I think we don't, I think everyone would love just sort of a thin strip of grass or something at the edge of the circuit and that, that would, you know, remove any grey areas if you punish people for going out wide. I think that's what we all want to see is mistakes punished. Um, but you have to bear in mind safety not only for F1, because a thin strip of grass would be safe for F1 if you had a thin strip of grass and then a runoff area, but as you mentioned, MotoGP, a lot of these circuits run multiple different motorsport series and it makes coming up with a solution a lot more difficult. Or, or, or maybe you could have like a pool of sharks and if the drivers go wide, they fall in the pool of sharks and they get eaten. That would give them a real deterrent, wouldn't it? I'm not even sure that would be safe for F1. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, it will stop them from cutting corners. We we can certainly put Jimmy's suggestion forward to the FIA and see what they think, because I, I certainly wouldn't drive into a pool of sharks. It would be exciting as well, wouldn't it? Which driver would get eaten by a shark this week? That that takes motorsport being dangerous to a new level. It does, exactly. It? Yeah, um, spice it up a bit. Um, but in terms of the overall title fight, what do you reckon? Hamilton, Bottas, Mercedes, 
or Verstappen, Perez and Red Bull? Who are you going with for the title fight? It's going to be close, isn't it, Joe? Oh, it's a, it's a really tough one. And I think yeah, it's massively going to come down to car development throughout the season. Um, and we've seen Red Bull be very good at the past few years. You know, they've the past few years, Red Bull's weaknesses, they've started slowly. And then by the end of the season, you know, they've won in sort of the late rounds a lot. Um, so if they can continue that, maybe it's looking good for them. But obviously, Mercedes are going to have to focus more on the current year. This time we're going to see what they can really do in a mid-season development race. And I think, you know, ultimately it could come down to the drivers. I tell you what I want to see. I want to see a title decider in Albert Park. Where, where today they announced that they've got rid of one of the chicanes and they're making some corners wider. So who knows, we might have an exciting race to get up for or in joe's case stay up for um <laughs> to watch <laughs> what about what about you jimmy what do you reckon red bull or mercedes i don't know i'm gonna go with mercedes because i'm a big fan of mercedes and um if the, this makes the podcast i sort of had a bit of a rant earlier about red bull uh, however uh, i do think mercedes because i'm a bit of a fanboy i like lewis uh and you know uh, yeah i think they've got the 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 talent and the the know-how to, to get it done uh, like they do most years. Uh, and also, I quite like the fact that Bahrain was the opener because Australia is always a bit annoying when you have to get up early. Um, and it's sort of, it's over by nine o'clock. And I sort of like to get a bit excited on a Sunday. Um, so yeah, hopefully Australia will be a bit better this year. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, who knows? We'll wait and see for sure. I don't know. There's, there's. I know what you mean. And Bahrain's a really good circuit for an opener, just because there's lots of overtaking and it's generally a good race, especially since it became a night race in 2014. But there is something about that being up early and not really being with it, but watching Formula One um, at like five in the morning in Australia. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's something I grew up with. So. We'll see. I, I I am looking forward to Australia later in the season. See what that's like. But it's similar in three weeks' time, so I'm glad we're going back there. Anyway, let's move on. The midfield battle, okay? So, McLaren were favourites, and they're looking very good. But Ferrari, I think, are going to be better than a lot of us expected and could push McLaren for... The, the best of the rest, P3 in the Constructors' Championship. It was a good race for both of them, to be fair, wasn't it? I think McLaren just had the edge. You know, Lando was a very solid fourth, um, and Ricardo seventh with damage. It came out after the race, he had damage. Um, by the sounds of it, fairly significant damage. So I do think McLaren looking the best at the moment, but as you say, Ferrari looked... They look okay, obviously... You know, it's a bit of a shame that we're saying Ferrari looks strong when they're fourth. Um, you know, we'd like to see them back up there in a title fight. But, yeah, they, they, they look like they'll do okay and they, they will challenge for third this season, you're right. And who do you think is going to come out on top in McLaren? Lando Norris definitely had a strong race, but like you say, Joe, Ricardo slightly hampered with damage. He outqualified Lando, so it's going to be tight between those two. Big year for both of them in terms of reputation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I rate Ricardo very, very highly. 
Um, I think he's right up there at the top of the top of the pack. He um, he performed very well against Max despite massive unlucky reliability issues. You know, um, I think he's one of the best drivers on the grid. I think he'll get the best of Lando over a season. Um, but obviously, Lando's got the benefit of being with the team for a, a fair while now. Um, but yeah, for Ricardo to be just three places behind, I know it was quite a big time gap, but just three places behind with major damage. Um, yeah, very impressive. Gasly did really give him a, a right clout, didn't he? Anyway, what what do you reckon, Jimmy? Do you reckon Ricardo's got it or Lando could give give us something to think about? Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that Lando got uh, fourth. Obviously, shame about Ricardo, I have to say, uh, but it's it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I think Ferrari. I actually thought that McLaren have got third place in the bag from the first race. I know it's a massive assumption to make, and you know things change, but I just thought they looked really solid. Um, and I think you know Perez in his Red Bull would be fourth. You know, usually. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, definitely a positive for McLaren, for sure. Now, Leclerc, I I really like Leclerc a lot. Um, he He's just great on the radio, the way he speaks. But he's also, I would say, with, with what Joe was saying in terms of driver rankings, you've probably got Hamilton slightly out on his own. Then you've got a really high upper tier with Verstappen, Ricardo, and I put Leclerc there as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but I think Sainz is also a really high quality driver, which goes without saying because he's driving for Ferrari. That's going to be interesting to see the dynamic between those two. It, it seems okay at the moment. And Carlisle Sainz was talking about how he was quite tentative at, at the beginning of the race. It was his first ra- race for Ferrari, he didn't want to go and bin it like some people might have done at the beginning of the race. Um, <laughs> um, do you think that if you were starting your first race for Ferrari, would you have gone all out to try and make a headline or, or would you have done what Carlos Sainz did, take it a bit easy and then get your way into it, kind of feel your way into it, sorry? Jimmy? Um, yeah, I'd probably feel my way into it, you know. Um, it, it's, a, it's got a new team and, you know, it wouldn't look very good if you crashed on the first lap like Mazepin, would it? Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, he's a brilliant driver. I think he'll give, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Leclerc a run for his money. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be a good t- inter-team battle, I think the phrase is. So, yeah. I think you're right with the phrase there. I, I think Leclerc's probably going to finish ahead but it's going to be close and and the good thing for Ferrari is like McLaren they've got two really solid drivers and that's what you need when you're in the midfield fighting you you, you want two hands to fight with so that you've got decent amount decent amount of points coming in most races and that's going to be interesting to see whether Aston Martin or, or Alpine have that um, I'm not so sure Sorry, Joe, what what do you reckon? Uh, go, going back all the way to what you said about feeling your way in, I think Sainz played it perfectly, really, um, because he understands very well the position Ferrari are in, in that midfield battle. It's all about consistent point scoring. And he, he knows all about that from McLaren the past two years. Um, he, I think he played it perfectly. 
and he's going to be a consistent point scorer. Um, I think Leclerc is more capable than Sainz of pulling that something special out, you know. Um, but but Sainz, Sainz will be there, thereabouts all season. And it, I think he's exactly what Ferrari needs, just someone in the other car to just rack up the points. And if that... And that that may well be the difference between them getting third or fourth. We'll we'll have to see, but yeah, he'll do a very solid job. Carlos Sainz is like you at work, isn't he? <laughs> He's dependable. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of talented Spaniards, um, the return of El Matiador, Fernando Alonso. What did you think? Obviously, it, it wasn't a brilliant end to the race with having to with him having to retire due to a sandwich bag, I think it was. Um, <laughs> which doesn't sound tremendously impressive for, for these multi-million pound Formula 1 cars. But there you go. Fernando Alonso, it's great to see him back, and it's great to see him in a half-decent car. And I don't think it's a world-beater, that Alpine, but I think it's a lot better than the McLaren that he he left Formula One in. Yeah, definitely. I think the sport's obviously going to be a better place with uh, another two-time world champion in the sport. You know, I think you know in his prime, he was probably other than Lewis the best driver on the grid. Um, whether whether he's still got it, I don't know. I haven't. We obviously didn't see enough from the first race to know whether he's still that world-class driver or whether he's... But oh, he's always going to be in the top half of the drivers on the grid. Um, he had a lovely little battle that showed that he's still got it wheel-to-wheel. Wheel. Um, it it's unfortunate to see it end so quickly, but he'll, he'll, he'll give us some good moments this year. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And it just showed that he he may be 40 in July, I think it is. or He may be 40 later this year, but... He's still as close to a spring chicken as as you can come. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely still got it. Do you reckon, Jimmy, that Alonso's going to beat Esteban Ocon? It's a big year for Esteban, isn't it? Um, yeah, I do. I think that Fernando's a, a, a superb driver. Um, yeah, I sort of feel a bit sorry for him because he wasted quite a lot of time at McLaren. Uh, but yeah, I hope he does well. Uh, I do think uh, he'll outclass Esteban Ocon. Uh, potentially, I know it's a bit early to be talking about driver talk and changes, but I think that Gasly will go to uh, Alpine uh, next season, potentially. I think that's a great shout. Um, I wrote that down in my race blog. I can't remember for which race, but it was definitely in the middle of last season. I thought uh, that, that Gasly may be going to what was Renault at the time, but it's now Alpine. Um, do you think that Alonso... He's incredibly talented, there's no doubt. He's a good driver and his team knows that he will get the best out of the car. But do you think that his downfall has always been the fact that he seems to burn bridges with teams when it doesn't go so well? I mean, he's all, he's always had that reputation um, and I suppose it doesn't come from from nowhere. I mean, who knows? Maybe he is the unluckiest man in the world and always seems to end up at teams when they're going downhill. But there's certainly a correlation, whether there's causation or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, he does seem to cause a bit of discord wherever he goes. But there's no doubt he's an unbelievable driver. So Yeah, 
I'm just I'm just wait. Sorry, I'm I'm just waiting for him to call the Alpine a GP2 car uh, at some point this season, um, <laughs> like he did at McLaren. I don't think that they can. He can refer to the engine as GP2. That's for sure. I think Fernando was fastest in the speed traps during the race. Don't quote me on that, but from what I saw, oh really? Oh. He had a quick motor on him. Oh, yeah. I see. Maybe not then. <laughs> but may- maybe the aerodynamics will be what what he criticizes his year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's great to see him back. And like Joe said, the sport needs those sort of characters. Um, is is what makes it. So yeah, really good. From one champion to another, we'll just have a chat about Sebastian Vettel here. He didn't have the greatest race in the world. And indeed, weekend. I felt sorry for him because he he had his lap ruined by two yellow flags, and he obviously slowed down uh, for those flags. But he still set a pretty quick lap and didn't slow enough. So he got a grid penalty. Had to start from the back. He he doesn't have the fastest car. It looks like Aston Martin have suffered like Mercedes have, uh, with their low-rate philosophy. It's almost as though they they share components with Mercedes. Um, and then Vettel did to Ocon what he did to Verstappen in Britain, 19. Vettel complained on the radio, but I think he apologised to Ocon after for a silly move, just crashing into the back of him. Um, but do you think this is just a one-off race and Vettel's going to be that... that team leader that we all know he can be and I, I really want him to do well I, I know I'm not the only one or do you think that this could be yet more of a, a stain on 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 the end of what has been a very good career for Sebastian Vettel what do you think Joe um I'm really hoping that it's a one-off race because it, it was a poor drive um you know I was really hoping at the end of last season that um you know they were going to continue. That Aston Martin were going to be continue to be that really fast budget team, but unfortunately, it's, it's looking like a difficult car to drive, um, which obviously isn't going to help the situation. I think he will pull it back. I think he'll have some good performances this year. Um, you know, he he looked quite good in in the battle that he had with Alonso and was it Sonoda as well. It was science, I think, because people were comparing it to Lightning McQueen, the King, and Chick Hicks. But yeah, he he did he did make up places in the race um, from the back of the grid. Um, you, you you would expect that with the Williams and the Haas behind. But yeah, um, I think he'll improve. It, it's a new car. Um, I, I hope he improves. Jimmy. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I, I'd love him to improve, but I just what reminded me when he crashed into Ocon. And he said, came onto the radio, and why is he moving in his braking zone? And he didn't. It reminded me of Hamilton and the brake checking incident in Baku, when Hamilton didn't do anything wrong, and he, you know, had a go at him and rammed him at the side. It just seems he's got that sort of mentality, um, which is a shame. It's when the red mist descends, isn't it? It's it is unfortunate because he's got a lovely character. He has, yeah. He just needs to calm down. I mean, you know, potentially it would have been good for him to maybe go out of Formula 1 for a year or two, sort of regroup, and then sort of decide if he wanted to come back or not. Um, but yeah, I hope he does well. And it's only the first race of the season, so I'll have to see how he does. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. It's, I, it's quite a sort of Sebastian thing to do, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, and and what do you think about Aston Martin? Where do you place them in terms of the the rankings, car wise? Probably about sixth, I would say, fifth or sixth. Uh, I think McLaren are McLaren. Yeah, probably sixth actually, because I think that McLaren, Ferrari, uh, and maybe AlphaTauri. But yeah, I think that yeah, I don't really like Aston Martin, the way they've gone about things, like just blaming the regulations and everything like that, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it has sort of, sort of affected them detrimentally to the rest of the fields in terms of a low rake and rake, a high rake and that sort of thing, like you said. Um, but yeah, you just need to overcome it. And I mean, they've used a lot of Mercedes parts last year, so they were quick last year. So, you know, maybe this is karma um, for sort of copying Mercedes last year. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's it's always hard to judge where a team is um, after the first race of the season. But they they seem to be in the battle with, I'd say, Alpha Tauri at the moment um, and, and Alpine um, because they're not as fast as McLaren and Ferrari, at least at this early stage. Um, the Alpha Tauri, when it's going well, goes very well. But it's been a bit inconsistent um it's hard to judge where they are exactly and yeah i'm i'm not sure where they are in comparison to alpine it's very hard to make judgments off the first race yeah exactly uh, one one last thing about aston martin is as nice as their livery is it's too similar to the mercedes livery for me to so i keep on thinking i'm seeing the mercedes and it's the aston martin and vice versa it's all very stressful for me but I'm sure I'll get used to it. We spoke about, or you spoke about AlphaTauri just then. And yeah, they they didn't have the best Grand Prix that, that they could have done. They had a great testing. In fact, they've probably finished P2 if testing was an event. Um, it's really exciting to see the young Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, he pulled off a few great moves one of which was against uh, Lance Stroll on the last lap with a nice uh, lick the stamp and send it moment, as Daniel Ricciardo would say. Um, and then we know the quality of Pierre Gassi, and I, I can see him being fairly consistent this year, hopefully not consistently crashing into the back of Ricciardo and losing his front wing because we know he's better than that. And his qualifying showed it. He, he was fifth in qualifying, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I've written down for Alpha Tauri as, as unknown potential. I think you're probably right, Jimmy, in that they're ahead of Alpine and Aston Martin. It's just where they place in terms of McLaren and Ferrari. I don't know whether they're going to be ahead or behind. Maybe kind of in Ferrari's territory. We'll see. It's just they don't have a, as experienced drivers as Ferrari do, and that could make the difference. Um, what do you guys think? I think it's going to be. I think they're going to have one good weekend, one bad weekend. They're going to have one weekend where they're absolutely flying. The car hooks up with the track, and the, the drivers are pulling off, you know, great moves. And then they're going to have another weekend where they, you know, have a collision or an accident, or the car's not quite going right with the track. Um, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, I think that. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda looked really good on Sunday. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think that they're going to be a bit sporadic, maybe. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's no reason why they they couldn't finish sort of challenge. Maybe not for the top top three, but maybe top four. They I think they've got a reasonable chance of sort of uh, challenging for that. Uh, but we we'll have to see. I think it's exciting to have uh, so many sort of close teams in the midfield. Um, which will be really interesting to see how it plays out during the, the season. And also, on that point, how much development happens with the cars? Because at some point, I imagine the development will stop and they'll focus on, solely on the 2022 regulations. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see which teams keep developing, um, which I think they will do, uh, but it just see what sort of effort they put into developing their cars. And of course, where they finish in the championship will determine how much wind tunnel time they have next year with the higher in the higher positions not having as much time in the wind tunnel so maybe this is tactical for uh, some teams and and they'll have a bad year this year but they'll come off stronger next year we'll see um i think i think that's a good move in making it closer and the the small regulation changes have certainly made the the title fight closer throughout the field I think the midfield haven't been so close to Mercedes and Red Bull as they have this season so that's really good to see the top 16 or something like that were separated by a second during practice and that that kind of shows the the tight nature of it all so that that's really good to see in Formula One so in terms of Yuki Tsunoda yeah Really exciting talent. It reminds me, can you remember when Kamui Kobayashi came onto the scene? He did He did a few races for Toyota at the end of 2009. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember Top Gear? Okay, they're cool wall. <laughs> okay, I had one of, I had my own cool wall, like a Top Gear cool wall, and I wrote Kamui Kobayashi and put him in Sub-Zero. That is incredible. Yeah, that's how cool I thought he was when I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, Sonoda can live up to those sorts of uh, levels of, of Japanese coolness. Um, yeah. In fact, I think Kobayashi was on the Beyond the Grid podcast this week. So, should probably give that a listen after this podcast, of course. <laughs> but yeah, that's Alpha Tauri. Just finally, I just wanted to see how well you would think a few of the, not back markers, that's a bit disparaging, but lower teams and drivers might be able to do. So, for example, George Russell, what do you reckon, Jimmy? What's the best that he can expect this year? Um, I'd like to see him score a few points. Uh, a few points, I think that's stretching a bit. You know, the car's not there, really. Uh, but maybe a couple of points during throughout the season, a couple of 10 places, if you know a few people retire and things like that. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that, the Hasses are going to be at the back for sure. Um, it's nice that Williams is a bit more competitive. Um, but yeah, I, I do think I don't like a particular driver of the, the Hass. So I think you can probably tell which one. Um, it's not Mick Schumacher, is no, it? No, it's not that one. It's the other chap. I like Mick yeah, Schumacher. Yeah, I know. How good is that to see that uh, MSC on the uh, the leaderboard? It's a bit nostalgic, It's isn't lovely. It? Yeah, uh, I... I he seems a really nice guy, Mick does. Um, Mazepin, not so much. Uh, and he's sort of embarrassing himself as well. I think he's out of his depth slightly. Who, Mazepin? Yeah, I think he's had it in testing his span. And, you know, he spun on his first run in Q1. And, you know, then he spun out, giving it too much throttle. And I know Mick Schumacher spun out as well. 
but he didn't plant it in the barriers, um, which is always the sort of limiting cracks with these things. If you plant it in the barriers, you're not really going to go very far. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that, that's those are my views. So yeah, Mick Schumacher, he's done well to finish his first race higher than his dad did, and his dad went on to good things. I heard. <laughs> um, he's not got the best car. You speak about hats that their car isn't the best on the field. In fact, it's the worst in the field. And they've said that they're not going to be developing it. Do you think that this is going to be a huge learning opportunity, but without achieving much success this year, Joe? Yeah, um, it's it's obviously a very difficult situation for him. Um, you know, very similar to what George Russell's been in for the past few years. Um, personally, I am yet to be fully convinced by Mick Schumacher. Um, I... I don't think he's in the same bracket as George Russell, for example, but, you know, Lando Norris and all that, even someone like Alex Albon. Um, but but this is a good... It's an, it's an opportunity. It's going to be a very difficult year, but it is an opportunity to learn a lot in a car that's not going to be the greatest. He's known for being better in his second season. He won GP3 and GP2 after year two, so... Maybe it's a good thing that his first season in Formula 1, he, he's got hardly any pressure on him because he's not expected to do many miracles, is he? So, like like you say, let's wait and see on Mick. Uh, but yeah, he seems like a lovely character. And you, d you don't get many people being in Under Armour adverts as a rookie in Formula 1. That's pretty cool. Um, not that Under Armour is the only brand of sporting... Uh, clothing that you can purchase there are other <laughs> ones available um and alpha alpha romeo we've not mentioned them they are one of three teams that opted for the same lineup as they did last year it is three isn't it mercedes alpha romeo and williams that's it do you think that it's it's a good thing that they've continued with Kimi raikkonen who may or may not retire at the end of the season. I don't think he'll ever retire. He's 40, still got it. Uh, a bit like Fernando Alonso. It's just he's not in as competitive a car. Giovinazzi, I don't know whether he's going to go to Ferrari or what he is going to achieve from Formula 1. Quick on his day, but he's not supreme like George Russell, for example. What do you reckon, boys? Go on, Jimmy. Yeah, so Giovinazzi, um, I think that he, I don't think he'll go to Ferrari personally because Sainz and Leclerc have got quite long contracts. So I don't think he'll stick around in Formula One that longer. I think there'll be quite a bit of, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's Raikkonen's last season and Schumacher will go to Rome, Alfa Romeo and then Giovinazzi will partner Schumacher. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll put somebody else in the Alfa seat. Like I'd quite like to see Callum Eilock go in the Alpha seat who's in GP2 at the moment or is it Schwartzman who's in the the uh, Ferrari Drivers mm -hmm. Academy yep um, yeah. so yeah it would be quite yeah I don't really see much of a future to be honest for Giovinazzi uh, in Formula 1 unfortunately that seems fairly sensible doesn't it Joe yeah I mean whether it was a good decision or not to stick with the same driver lineup, it's it's an interesting one because obviously we all love Kimi but he's uh He's not the uh, the youngest driver there. Um, and Giovinazzi, you know, 
he, he's a decent driver, but I think there's probably better out there. But none of the names mentioned for the seat really jump out at you. It's, it's not like they're keeping, you know, Charles Leclerc or George Russell or Max Verstappen waiting behind. Um, you know, there's some drivers there that you go, oh, yeah, we, we give him a go. But, yeah. So it's it's not the worst decision to keep the same driver lineup, but maybe it would have been worth giving one of those like a, a shot. Do you think that what may be likely to happen is if if Mick Schumacher does impress, he will go to Alfa Romeo, and it's really up to Kimi whether he wants to carry on. Surely at some point he will go, but it would be good to have either Giovinazzi or Kimi to show Mick Schumacher their experience. Um. But I think eventually Giovinazzi is probably going to go and race for Ferrari and Le Mans because Ferrari have got their Le Mans team coming in in 23, isn't it? 2023? I'm not sure so, on the year. But... Hypercar series, but isn't it? It's coming up. Or something to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the coming years. So I think it would be sensible to see Giovinazzi go over there mm-hmm. at some point. I don't know what Kimi Raikkonen will do. He'll probably go off and do the Arctic Rally or something else. <laughs> but yeah, I think Mick Schumacher, it, d- it depends on how he performs and when Kimi fancies giving his hobby a, a rest. But yeah, we've spoken about the bigger picture as well as the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, and I'm glad that we have, because I always do enjoy talking to you. Do you have anything else to add, either of you, before we say goodbye to these brilliant people? I'll just say that um, I think that if we can continue getting races like we have on the first race, it's going to be a really, really exciting season. It's been it's been too long since we've had two teams fighting for the championship. I hope it continues. I hope no one team gets a major advantage over the other one um and we get 23 races as close as that one i really hope so too canada's probably the one that i doubt the most just because it's in the americas and it's the soonest yeah other than that it could be feasible let's see as it it depends on the vaccine and all the the wider world problems, but that's enough. That's a whole different podcast. I completely agree agree with you, Joe. And for the future, hopefully, we can continue with these sorts of, of review podcasts. We may have them as long as this, or a, a little bit shorter, depending on how good the race was, I suppose, or how much we have to say. But it's been a pleasure speaking to you two, as usual, and to you at home. So thank you very much for listening. This is Adam Williams from the AJ on the Line podcast. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Jimmy. And see you in probably about two and a bit weeks' time. Cheers.